Sharkies. Welcome to another week of Wind Against Tide. Did you like that, Joe? Thought I'd surprise you with a bit of pirate-themed yeah, intro. Without a cap this week, Dave, you're looking a little bit like a pirate. I love it. A, balding, you to, a severely balding pirate. I told you to brace your, your hair. Embrace your hair. It and looks said, fantastic. And I said there is no hair to embrace, Joe. <laughs> but I'm glad we've uh, started off that way. Cheers. <laughs> here we are, though. Back again for another week. How good is it to be here? If you're watching tonight, you clearly hate football and test cricket. So welcome. <laughs> I love test cricket. Do you mind if I go watch it and you take over for the rest of the show? You've got plenty of time um, after the luncheon interval. <laughs> oh, uh, after the lunch break. That's probably not till the middle of the night. They're playing in England, Joey. Yeah, the ashes. So anyway, the weather is still horrendous in Melbourne, Victoria-wide actually. Yeah. So there hasn't been a whole lot of fishing. So you know what, Joe, tonight could be quite short and sweet. No, no, I, I, can, tell you, I can tell you exactly what, what the fishing's been like uh, this week. It's pretty much been like this. <laughs> Crickets. Crickets. Well... There is still some fishing going on for those who have braved the weather, Joey. There is. And there's some diehard people that want to know what we've got to say this week as well. So That's we're right. here. All right. Well, first and foremost, another quick reminder. We have – this is our last week we'll be in this studio, Joey. Next week we have the live show at Berwick Poker Face. Still tickets to be had. A lot of people have asked me actually, Joey, if they can grab tickets at the door. At the moment, guys, we're trying to get everyone to grab tickets online via our um, Facebook event page or the link is also in our bio on our Instagram. Or just shoot us a message and we'll send the link over for you because we need to know how much pizza we need to buy, Joey. That's it. I've promised from day one there's going to be a rainbow of pizza and we need to make sure that everybody's got enough pizzas. So... You get online and make sure you book your ticket for our live show at Poker Face in Berwick in the outer southeast uh, next week. There's We've also announced we've got Lee Rayner on stage also joining us. It's been a big week of announcements in regards to the live show, Joe. Yeah, it has. It's just every day has been a new surprise, but it, we've bolstered it up, Dave. We've got some giveaways as well. We have. I've made a few calls to some friends in the industry and we've got some really, really good prizes ready for the show, Joey. We've got huge brand names like Pakula Lures. Oh, that's right. We do. A little brand also called Jarvis Walker. Right. We've also got Seaman Marine salt salt wash stuff. An- anti-salting your boat. Yep, they're providing anti- anti-salting stuff. Anti-salting everything. Bass Strait Lures, a local, local new... Gun lure on the scene. Bellarine Peninsula. You want to get your hands on some of them? Locally made lures. Just and in time for the barrels. Who else have we got, Joe? Have I forgotten anyone? We've also got oh. a spot. <laughs> oh, no. I nearly forgot the most important man. No, it's a, it's a, it's a huge prize. We've got um, a spot to Fishing with Fergie's masterclass of unlocking the code. Master beta fishing person. <laughs> He's a master baitsman <laughs> and, um, yeah, you, there's a spot to one of his courses valued at $150 and it's an intensive, I think it goes for about three or four hours and you will improve your, your bait fishing and Peter has donated one spot to his master class. So huge giveaway of prizes. 
If you love fishing and you love our show, um, we've got something for everybody uh, next week. Very exciting, Joe, as I just take a sip of delicious Coca-Cola. Yeah, we, we call that the Black Doctor. Not sponsored, just delicious. We call it the Black Docker. Doctor. After a, after a night of a, of a few beverages, uh, alcoholic beverages, you've got the Black Doctor to save you in the morning if you're feeling a little bit under the weather. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> anyway, it's going down quite well this evening. So, yeah, very exciting updates for the live show. It's just one week away, so get your tickets and This time get next there. week. This time next week we'll be live on stage and, yeah, we'll, we'll be delivering in person. Can't wait, Joey. I'll, uh, well, I'll see you before then, but I will see you then also. Yep, <laughs> can't wait. All right, moving on with the show a little bit. Short and sweet, as I said, I reckon tonight, Joe. Although you never know with us, we might ramble on for a little while, but it's going to be quality over quantity. That's it. So, a few things have come up on my radar this week. Joe, you know when um, you're like fishing with your parents when you're a kid? I don't know if your parents ever did this to you, but mine did this to me. Or maybe it was my older brothers, I don't know. And they tell you, don't wash your hands in the water. A shark will bite your hands off. That ever happened to you, Joe? No, no, I didn't. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's just like a primal fear that we all have of look, the water. Look, I think we all grew up um, swimming as kids in the beach. Like, look, I was born in 1986 and it was roughly around the time Jaws was a blockbuster smash hit and all of a sudden when we were, you know, five, six, seven years old, it was all about... Oh, there could be Jaws at the beach. So, yeah, that was very much uh, ingrained into our minds to try and scare us little kids and the adults thought it was really funny. But, yeah, not to wash your hands in the water. Well, as I've grown up and probably as you've grown up, we've realised that unlikely if you're washing your hands in the water that a shark's going to come up and grab them. Yeah, but You've got more chances of winning Division One Powerball than getting your hands bitten by a shark, washing your hands in the water. But in the backwaters of Florida, Joseph, as we travel over to the US of A, this is a very real issue. The bull shark population is extremely large over there and there are signs up all over the place telling you not to put your hands in the water. Mm -hmm. And something's happened this week. I've got a little video here, an Instagram video. I'm going to chuck it on. We'll get it on. Let's have a look. Some fellas fishing on a boat and... Oh. Get him, get him, get him, get him! That bull shark has just grabbed his hand and just pulled him overboard and there's just blood that's just sprayed up the side of the gunwales. Yeah. So for those who aren't watching, uh, it's been kind of around the traps on socials this week. Well, I shared it on the Win Against Side page, so you should have seen it actually. That was pretty quick. Can we see it again? We can say it again. That was, that was lightning quick. Oh, we'll chuck it on again, Joey. We're going again. <laughs> Two seconds won't do anything. Bang. Get him, get him, get him, get him. He got back in the boat in time, but it seems that the shark definitely got a piece of his finger judging by that blood. How's that for famous last words? Two seconds won't do anything. So anyway, here's a little bit of a spiel about that one. Some things you can't unsee. This video is one of them. 
So viewer discretion advised. Well, we should have read that first. We didn't give anyone an option. You've all seen it now. Anyone who fishes in salt water is well aware of the growing shark problem as they learn to associate boat motors and thrashing fish at the end of a line with an easy meal. All it takes is two seconds and a lapse of judgment to find yourself in a dangerous situation, which is exactly what happened to Michael Russo's buddy whilst filming in the Everglades. Today was what this is a quotation from Michael Russo. Today was one of the scariest days on the water I've ever had. It started off great and we were crushing the fish, but the sharks were eating some. Despite our best efforts, after releasing a snook, Nick washed his hands in the water and was immediately bit by a large lemon shark. I was a lemon shark. There was no chum or blood in the water and the sharks were unprovoked. The sharks are no joke in the Everglades and the warnings about keeping your hands out of the water are not an exaggeration. Please take this as a lesson and keep your hands out of the water because this could have been prevented. He was rushed back to the dock and the park rangers were a lifesaver. He was airlifted to hospital and is in the best care possible. What do you think about that, Joe? It's it's pretty it's pretty full on, but like the the, the chances of that happening is um, in maybe any other place in the world it would be little to none. But you know, you go to a place like uh, Florida; it's a very subtropical part of the world. Um, there's lots and lots of fish in the inshore and and the offshore. Um, you know, there, there's going to be places where um, I can think of some places in Australia where the, the odds are really uh, stacked the other way if you were to put your hands in the water, especially up north in Australia. There's plenty of places where there's lots of sharks and um, even crocodiles and you would not want to do that even in some parts of Australia. So, Colin Pretty saying definitely no peeing in the water over the side there. Well, um, I'd probably have heaps of clearance to be completely honest with you. It wouldn't be an issue for me, but some of the more lucky amongst us, maybe that would be too close for comfort. I don't know. Simon so- Webby with a seven ninety nine <laughs> super chat. We love a good super chat. Thank you very much, Webby. So, yes, thanks, Webby. Hope, uh, hope those salmon are nipping well for you down there at Inverloch on your holidays. So, yeah, a few of the Bud and Mary's captains, which is the, um, the major touristy fishing port down there in Florida have uh, shared their perspective on the issue, Joe. So this one says they've been telling everyone that would listen that they have a major shark problem in the Everglades and Isla Mirada. Hands in the water is a bad move after releasing a fish. Another one says I could show you a dozen places where there are packs of these lemon sharks lurking below. We can't fish in these areas anymore because it's so bad. Anywhere from the size of the one in this video to 250 pounds plus. So it's a genuine issue and I don't know if you've seen some of the videos from up north here and over in the west, Joe, but the levels of predation from sharks at some of these places, you cannot fish. And do you know what's really scary? If you watch videos from some of the prawn trawlers and stuff up north, there's literally thousands of sharks that follow them along. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping to have a really, really special guest on in, in the next couple of weeks that um, it's going to be a secret for the minute, but he's fished all over Australia and one of the places that I've seen him go fishing is up in a place called Weeper, which is right up the top tip uh, north of Cape York. And, um, uh, you know, on that particular famous fishing episode, um, he, he threw a piece of fish 
off the jetty up at Weeper and it was the water was boiling with sharks. So when you say about that that sort of stuff happening in Australia, there is definitely places like that. Definitely, and it brings with it some interesting discussion pieces, I suppose you call it, Joe, where like sharks are highly respected in this day and age. It's frowned upon to be uh, to be taking them or even really killing them for any reason these days. Um, I know they are a table fish and a food fish in the southern states, which is fine, um, but um, lots of places around the world it's not considered a fish that you'd take home or capture or kill in any way. But there's always discussions that arise when these things happen about culling shark numbers, which I don't know. What do you think about it, Joe? Do you think we should be culling one of the ocean's greatest predators to thin out the numbers or do you think we should just let nature take its course? I think we should let nature take its course. Um, Sharks are definitely a very important part of the the whole ecosystem of the ocean. So I'm probably not the most qualified person to speak about exactly why, but I do definitely have seen documentaries as uh, as to why there is a very important place for sharks, uh, that, you know, part of the, that, that whole ocean ecosystem. Yeah. You'd be all right with them all being killed if they were salmon. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> If they were salmon. <laughs> if they were Atlantic salmon, kill them all. Yes. <laughs> Tasty fish. <laughs> hey, Joe, you've started to adopt. <laughs> the world is moving at a rapid pace. And one of the big the big topics of the world at the moment is AI and its place in society. And here at Winning Against Tide, we're on the cutting edge, aren't we, Joe? We are, absolutely. And I think what we've decided is there is an AI boss that's called ChatGP. Chat GPT. GPT, sorry. Yep. And um, Joe thinks that he's going to use it to his advantage and he's decided, I think, that what we're going to do is we're going to get Chat GP to write the run sheet for the rest of our podcast. Well, yeah, well okay, sure. We, we could have put your, we could have put your uh, pod, podcasting notes of tonight's show into it and we could have got it to formulate a response. Oh, how much information do you have to give it? You can give it as much or as little as you like. So what have you just said to it? Write me a fishing-related podcast segment. All right. Well, this is an incredibly intelligent piece of technology, so I'm sure it won't have a problem um, of it. So I'm just going to switch over to my uh, laptop now. We've got ChatGPT and we will write – we'll ask it to write – A fishing – a fishing related related podcast podcast topic topic. <laughs> okay, um, let's see how this is going to go. This could be an amazing success or an absolute disaster. Here we go. Here we go. How quick's it formulated? Too. My goodness, <laughs> it's it's flying along. It's my goodness, holy crap! It's. <laughs> <laughs> We're not reading all that. We're just going to read the start of it. I'll read it all. Oh no, I won't read it all. But like that was just one second. Right, we asked it to write a fishing-related podcast topic, and it says the title: "Mastering the Art of Fly Fishing: Techniques, Tips, and Tales." Introduction. Welcome to the Mastering the Art of Fly Fishing, the podcast that takes you on a captivating journey into the world 
of this timeless angling technique. Whether you're a seasoned angler or just getting started, join us as we delve into the intricles of fly fishing, uncovering expert techniques, sharing valuable tips, and exploring the inspiring stories from fishing enthusiasts around the globe. Get ready to cast your line and reel in an unforgettable fishing experience. Good God. That's uh, a lot better than we could have ever done. That's uh, that's brilliant. And it goes a little on for a little bit more than that. But there you go, chat GPT. What about, what about asking it to make an excuse for you in the family home? Is there something at home, Dave, that you don't like doing and that you would think of any excuse in the world to weasel your way out of doing something in the home? The dishes? <laughs> the dishes. Doing the dishes. All right. I'm going to ask ChatGPT to come up with an excuse to tell the wife I don't want to do the dishes. I feel like you've gone a bit rogue here. This is not exactly on topic, but okay. Here we go. It's formulating. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's responded to another piece of writing and it said, the title, The Art of Effective Communication Navigating Household Responsibilities. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. We're not reading through that. Chat GPT, very good. Chat GPT, if you have your own podcast you want to write like us, or in Joe's case, you just want to use it in your daily life as a cheat. As a, ha- as a little bit of a life hack. I liked it. The fly fishing. We would never have discussed that on our podcast, would we, Joe? We're not fly fishermen. We're not fly fishermen. but That is actually something I'd love to do a bit of, though. Definitely. And there's, there's definitely different ways to explore fly fishing in the salt and the freshwater. Yeah. Hey, another report that's come across my uh, podcast desk again this week, Joey. Yep. Australia's oldest fishing shop has closed its doors. How old are we talking here? Well, it's 90 years old, three generations of trading, Joe. It's called Blue Water Tackle World and it is in Western Australia. Wow. That's right. So it's closing its doors after 90 years. It's uh, Australia's last Blue Water Tackle World branch. It's in Mudgree and it's going to shut up shop for good in the coming weeks with businesses citing new... Recreational fishing regulations in the state for its closure. So they're directly blaming it, Joe, on all of the new rules and regulations that have come into place in WA over the recent years. Has that got to do, I noticed there were some uh, cray fishing uh, rules that had come in in the last last year. Is, it, is that, that part of part of the bigger thing? Oh, they've got heaps over there, Joe. There's cert- certain seasons where you can target certain fish. It's highly restricted. So... Um, there's closed seasons for all demersals, which is, you know, your bottom fish um, over there. That's stuff like um, dewfish. Dew yep. Uh, Western Australian dewfish, which is really popular species. Um, snapper, you know, just stuff that lives on the bottom. Uh, they're not allowed to target them for a fairly large portion of the of the year these days. So obviously it's become come to the point where it's not worth fishing for a lot of people and it's hurting the industry. So the uh, 
Their story is at the end of its lease and after much soul-searching, they've decided to close the doors. The company said on Facebook, after 91 years in the fishing tackle industry, it's time for their Harvey family to move on and they've thanked their staff and that'll be it for that store, Joey. So sad times. Yeah, that's... um. Yeah, that, that that's a great legacy that um that, that place has left behind, definitely. And it's an interesting it's another interesting topic in that um we're seeing a, the rise of the chain fishing stores, aren't we, with uh, BCF and Anaconda and the like. Yeah, definitely. And just before we went live tonight, we were actually talking about um some of the independent uh fishing operators that, that, that we used to that we grew up with and, and that we loved to go and support. And uh yeah, it could be some potential guests for later on in the seasons of, of our podcasting career. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting topic. It is a very interesting topic and sad to see the demise of some smaller family stores and hopefully it's not a trend that continues, Joey, because they're the backbone of the industry and you got to support your locals. That's how I will sign off on that subject. Yeah, it's um, very good. Uh, I definitely no. Like I, <laughs> sorry for the delayed reaction. It was like thank you for no, adding. <laughs> I, I I'd, I'd love to actually um, dive deeper into that topic about what what makes a good um, fishing tackle store. I think it, definitely a topic that we could expand on for for other shows. I'm actually going to make a note of that because that's good. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Make a note to type that topic into your chat GPT for future shows, please. Yes, Dave. I've got another question for you. Um, this is normally we would call this segment, you know, what what grinds my gears. But I don't know if this is gear grinding or warrants for it. But um, you know, we talk about stuff like artificial intelligence. Um, you know, there's social media, there's certain ads and uh, things that follow you on social media. But when you open up your Facebook, Dave, or Instagram, what are the videos that are suggested to you in your feed? Targeted audience advertising, Joey. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah. Are you going to go on about Nomad again? No, I've got something else for you. Because there's a lot of Nomad lures in there. Yeah. Well, well, that was that, that's kind of calmed down that that Nomad situation. But I've had something else that's actually followed me on social media. But I'm going to ask you first: Is there anything that constantly pops up in your Facebook feed when you open up your? I don't know, but on our Winning Against Tide Facebook, for some reason, the algorithms sending us a lot of things about ye old movies and um and crowd commentary on the movie it's it's a weird algorithm we've got on on that page uh but yes I, it's got nothing to do with fishing so i don't know how it's come up with that i'll tell you what i'm getting um and this is on my personal page not nothing to do with any of the businesses or um activities that that i do i get uh little reels of uh, course fishing, course fishing suggestions, <laughs> big algae ridden. I love course fishing. Big algae, algae ridden ponds with murky water and it's an underwater camera and I'm constantly getting trolled by carp. <laughs> carp that are sucking down pellets with hooks in it. They just mooch along the bottom and they just go <laughs> and then they spit the pellet out and they and they speed off. And like, I don't know, it kind of sucked me in. Like I watched one of them. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Now all of a sudden I'm getting trolled by carp 
sucking pellets from the bottom of the pond floors. I'm just getting that non-stop, Dave. We've talked about this in the past, Joey, about the carp fishery over there in England and how much freaking effort they go to to catch carp. It's quite – it's actually really interesting. I even listened to a few podcasts about it. The lengths they go to is insane. Like they've got full like tent little bivy tent things set up and they sleep overnight in the freezing cold and they've got like bait deploying boats and like slingshots that like slingshot burly out and they they fish this one area for a whole year just to try to catch one particular carp that's got a name that's been caught seven times by Blow, Joe Blow and everyone's recorded its length over the years and they they treat them like they're like demigods, these fish, and they're carp. I, I, I Tran- transport yourself to Australia. We're flinging them up baits and beating them to death uh, up banks. Yeah, it's um interesting conversation. Uh, one of the types of fishing that that I started uh, was uh, look. I come from uh, Dandenong North, so famously in suburban Melbourne, Dandenong, Dandenong. There's the Dandenong Creek system, which basically meets up to the Yarra River up in Melbourne. Um, through other various systems and it empties out at Patterson River. And in the Dandenong Creek, uh, before I had a boat, I, I used to go carp fishing uh, with uh, a pencil float and sweet corn and there was a little part of the Dandenong Creek that I just absolutely loved as a kid. It was um, full of rocks and it was an elbow with like a fallen tree and um, that became my local fishing puzzle. Um, I used to fish this little piece of the Dandenong Creek for for years and to a point, Dave, that I just I knew where every single snag was and I had a mixture of uh, where I could cast that I wouldn't get snagged with a down bait and I'd also uh, cast on the top of the water with um, either a, just like a pencil quill float similar for your garfish with a couple of split shots or like a crystal waggler and I'd sort of have the down bait Rod's going and I'd be casting my crystal waggler all over this little piece of uh, brown water in the Dandenong Creek. And, yeah, the yeah, best carp ever caught out of there was, uh, was five and a half kilos. But I love that little creek. And, uh, yeah, fishing for carp, it's, it's cool. It might be something that um, I'll revisit. When it's really, really easy, it's, n- it's not that fun. But, yeah. Uh, I've never heard short... you talk so technically about fishing before, Joe. What's a, what, <laughs> what's a crystal waggler? Crystal waggler. It's just like a, it's a type of pencil float that it's like a, a clear, it's kind of like a biro, like a clear crystal um, hexagonal biro with a little, uh, mm. like a fluoro, a fluoro red tip and a couple of split shots. And um, yeah, it's a cool little float, but there, there's nothing more exciting. You, you cast that little quill float near like a fallen tree or branch and you see, uh, you know, the, the car picks up the, the float and then just tows it around a bit and then bang goes underwater and you set the hook and it's um it's good fun man yeah yeah no it is do you know what that makes me think and that relates to the the fly fishing thing which the um artificial intelligence was telling us about earlier imagine um like a, like a bread fly cast into that situation there is there's um a lot of dudes use uh sweet corn imitation flies for fly fishing for carp that'd be that'd be so fun and that brings me to another topic, Joe. I'm sick of this wind. Tomorrow I'm going fishing. Yes. In the wind. What are some options for me? Where can Everyone you go on, fishing in the wind? How's this? 
everyone on the live chat can decide what I'm fishing for tomorrow and I'll go do it if it's a good suggestion. Land-based within two hours of Crib Point on the peninsula. Uh, I got it. Devil Bend Reservoir. Yep. That's an option. But I was thinking a bit further afield than that. Well, there's fish in Devil Bend, isn't there? There is. There's perch, there's trout, there's deer in there that are getting... (laughs) That are currently getting shot. Are they? Are you allowed allowed to go and shoot a deer in Devil Bend? No, there's contractors in there at the moment shooting them at night because they're a pest. Really? Yep. Wow. Here's some ideas I had, Joe. Tell me. I had thought of... Like, we've been joking recently about casting for salmon off the beach. Oh, I want to go so bad. You mentioned Inverloch. Yeah. I'm considering Inverloch, casting salmon off the beach. Have you got a laser laser metal lure? No, nah, I'll stop and buy a couple. Okay. And I'd love to do that. <laughs> 90, I'd love to... $90 later. I'd love to bleed and ice them up and I'd love to eat them because I think they're actually good eating and I would like to show everyone that they are. I could serve you some crispy skin salmon again, Joe. Yes. Of the Arapus trutter variety. That's the scientific name, by the way. Bay trout. That's the at one, the, Joey. At the Springvale Market, bay trout. I you, also thought... Going on the bay trouts, Davey. I also thought there's pier hopping for squid, which we could do. Port Phillips starting to... Well, is firing pretty good for squid. Pier hopping for squid, Joe. A classic, easy fishery to access. And the other one I thought was perch. We've got a lot of little perch creeks dotted along... Well, from from where we live, right through to the east and out to the west. So that was another one that I thought of. Do you know what's a land-based species I'd love to catch? I don't know if they're in season so much in the winter months, but um, my, my dad was always big on these as well. A big silver trevally off Sunderland Bay at Phillip Island. I don't know if it's more of a summer month thing, but big silver trabs, um, that'd be cool. Where, where were you saying, sorry? Sunderland Bay. Sunderland Bay at the back of Phillip Island. Really? Yeah, he used to go there, um, him and his mates. They used to fish off the rocks there for um, big silver trevally, more so around like uh, March, April time of the year. But, uh, yeah. The fish are busting up behind us, by the way. Yeah, um, they, they sure Remember are. when we went frolicking at Mushroom Reef off the back of Flinders there? Yeah. Where, the, all the, where it's like a fish marine park, but there's all cool stuff swimming around. Oh, that was so cool, yeah. Remember the size of the trevally in there? And, and not to mention the whiting. The yeah. whiting were freaking massive. They um, were like 50 centimetre whiting. Do yourself a favour in the – look, if you don't mind getting cold, you could go swim there now, but uh, in the summertime in like the 35-degree heat, we were just uh, snorkelling and looking at all the beautiful fish at uh, Mushroom Reef. Really and, cool. And if you don't mind getting arrested, go fishing in there. Amazing fishing. <laughs> Could highly recommend. You won't miss. You actually can't miss. You can't miss. Shooting fish in a barrel, but illegal. But, you know, horses for courses. Some people like a bit of illegal fishing. No, I do not recommend. Do not do that. No, we don't But could that. you imagine it? It would be bloody good. So, yeah, tomorrow going to do one of those things. Hopefully we've got some suggestions flooding in on the chat there. Some good tips coming in. I think the the... The consensus is salmon fishing. Salmon fishing. Simon Webster saying we should take a whale cruise and harpoon mm. the whales. Oh, no, confirming if there's any fish with them. <laughs> I think it would be pretty rough on the old whale cruise, Joey. Yeah, it would Just be. Just quietly. Oh, there'd be, there'd be big boats slowly rocking from side to side. Vomitron 2000, perfect. <laughs> 
Um, I'm excited about this concept, Joe. I'm going to go fishing. It's been a while. I don't care about the wind. I'm going. Have you got a beach casting rod, Dave? No, not really. I've got... uh, People probably don't believe me, but... Like, I've got, like, a set of game rods, a set of snapper rods, like, one light rod, and that's about it. So... I know, where, I know where you can borrow one off one of our mutual friends because I, I, gave back, I gave back his beach casting rod after probably having it for about 10 years. Oh, funny thing is I've got one of his beach casting rods, the man you're talking about. Oh, but, so you, that's a, but that's a bait one. Oh, so you, you've got the second <laughs> one. So, so I've returned one and you've got the second one. How, how is it? Is anybody in the live chat there, you ever lent a piece of fishing gear to a mate and then forgotten it's there and then you're like, oh, where's my thing that i've used to have or like joe have you ever been the lendee and just decided to keep the item for 10 years (laughs) and not have any conscience about that at all (laughs) (laughs) what fishing rod oh yeah i forgot i had that in my rod rack (laughs) this is i really like this rod if he doesn't think if he doesn't mention it i may just hang on to it or i can think of another one of our mutual friends that had a piece of someone's fishing equipment and he decided to upgrade the handle and the gear washers and decided that he'd reincarnated it into his reel. Really? I actually don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was a Stella 3000. Oh. That got upgraded handles and drag washers and it's like, what reel? Oh, <laughs> there's a bit of that going on, is yeah. there? Yeah. Very good. All right. So everyone's chatting away there in the group chat. There's a couple of questions in there. I have seen them and we will get to them when we run through the rest of the questions later, I reckon. Big black salmon. Big black backed salmon, Davey. James Hammond saying his gaff that he lent to a mate at Stony Point Ramp five years ago. Another good thing for that is Eskies. Wait, who takes a gaff to a... to? Uh, oh, I suppose it's he was probably in a boat. He wasn't fishing off a pier. <laughs> no. And so, yeah, another thing, good thing for that is eskies, Joe. People always lend eskies and stuff, fish oh, bags, because yeah. someone forgets to bring something to take the fish in and then it never comes back again. Yeah, what's the policy? It should be a boomerang esky. Boomerang, yeah. Yeah. So, interesting topic. You know what, Joe? I think it may be time to throw to our report section because it's a really good one this week. Welcome to The Hookup, where we go around Australia and indeed the world for the freshest fishing reports. <laughs> I just thought I'd add that in there. What know, do you got? I don't know why we're playing. <laughs> uh, Brenton Suckling, thanks for sending in a report. A few gummies offshore from Welshpool last weekend. Cracker. And bagged on Flathead, all taken on fresh wrasse, caught in the morning. How's that, Joe? I yep. thought there was no gummies off Welshpool last weekend. Didn't someone say that? Uh, yeah. Well, it was quiet last week on on the gummies on our on our many tentacles of report feeding lines that we that we have. Yeah. But um, apparently not for Brenton because he sent through a couple of photos. I tell you, of some ripping gummy sharks. I tell you what, you and I have done years of gummy shark fishing, Dave, and there's nothing like fresh bait for a gummy from. Almost any sort of fish. They just, they've got an incredible sense of smell, gummies. And um, I, I, I like how we've just recently been talking about shark culling. And here's some sharks getting culled. <laughs> yeah, but they, they are a genuine table fish fishery down here in Victoria. They fight really good. And <laughs> oh, is it interesting, Joe, that of recent years, 
gummy shark fishing has changed a little bit to predominantly offshore. Most people targeted great, uh, great words, gummies inside our bays and estuaries for quite a long time, traditionally on like yakka baits, trevally, oily fish baits. Of recent years, everyone's moved offshore, less rubbish fish, especially in winter, and the gummies are going really good and they're using stuff like wrasse for bait. That's um, that, that's really interesting. I was just about to challenge you right there on it. Like, you know, it's it's easy to go and get a gummy in um, some of our tidal or in a place like Western Port or Port Welsh Pool, for example. A um, little bit harder in, in Port Phillip. But, yeah, why would you go offshore 30, 40 kilometres to go and catch a gummy? But you reckon less, less uh, undesirable uh, bottom fish, Dave? Do you reckon that's probably the main driver to go and go gummy fishing so far away? Well, I found in recent years the seven gill population has gotten a bit out of control, which has made it quite difficult, especially in the bays and especially when the water gets cooler. Well, they're off very much offshore also, the seven gills, aren't they? Oh, they're, no, they're right up the bay, mate. And when you're trying to gummy fish and you get them hanging around, you may as well move because it's over. Uh, I agree. I've, I've, you know, back when we just fished at every opportunity that we that we had as younger fellas yeah definitely august well when i was younger it was like it was, a, it was cool to catch a seven gill because you, well, it wasn't cool but it was something different because you didn't didn't see them that often you'd probably catch 10 gummies to one seven gill yeah they definitely do disappear in the in the summer months um that will disappear completely but the the chances of catching one really does go quite down yeah i, I would uh, i would agree with you there but yeah uh, as the winter cools, as the water cools, I think offshore gummies is a better bet than in the bay. Yeah. And also, although you get them offshore, draft water sharks. Absolute pain in the butt when you're doing that style of fishing. Oh, yeah, the old carpet burgers. The old maid. Anyway, thanks for that report, Brenton. Really good to hear that you got stuck into the, the gum dogs. Yep, very good. And Joey, we have... An old school Gippy report has come in from Simon Webster. Oh. The man on the ground in the east. He's saying the salmon are nipping very well in Anderson's Inlet currently. He's down there on holidays. Best time seems to be last two hours of the running tide. Mm. Pensioners and the lagoon near the entrance providing fish to low 50 centimetre range on 30 gram Halco silvers. Oh, yeah. Love a good twisty. He's saying the... Water is really surging with incoming tide and wind and it makes it a lot harder. They wore waders. They went 20 metres. They waded out 20 metres into the cold, cold water and they were catching them doing that. Hot fishing. That's nice. Not much else coming from the east there from Simon. He's not on the ground at the moment. Nobody's been going offshore. Well, he's on school holidays. He is. He's on school holidays. I've got a celebrity report that's come in as well, Joey. Tell me. Well, one of our guests, Al McGlashan. Ah. I noted yesterday or day before, he caught a beautiful yellowfin tuna. Oh, man, how good is that? How good a yellowfin? That is that is solid. If we had a good run of them, a, a, a reasonably long one up the south coast or up into New South Wales, I'm there, Joey, this year. Man, like just fast Melbournians to go up and do that. Like we really need, we need a minimum of three days. 
And what I like about them is they seem very receptive to top water stick baits. I would say more so than our bluefin. Yeah, that is just it's a brilliant specimen on the screen there. Like it, like check out its fins. Like it's starting to get those really large sickles. Like how big do you reckon that fish up on our screen would be? Uh, I reckon that's forty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it forty-five too. Yep. So absolutely. Al said they got that one in five hundred fathoms off Sydney, Joe. And they also got a nice bluefin around the same size a few days earlier and that was in 400 fathoms just inside the shelf. Yeah, beautiful. So... Did you get that on on a Halco? I'm getting that mixed up with maybe another fishing report. I hear the Halcos are going pretty good on the Sydney tuna at the minute. He didn't tell me what lure it was on, but he said it's been a great tuna season and he said it's sunny up there. And I said that's very harsh. And, telling and, us, <laughs> telling us that, Joe. Well, it looks a bit windy in that picture, but they've had some patches of some good weather, like while our southern states have just been getting battered by front after front after front. Absolutely. We've had the Bermagui slash south coast bluefin have really fired up in the last week or so. Haven't been big, but it's been really, wow, it's like a throwback to the to years ago when they were just frothing around all the boats and... Everyone's throwing cubes and yee-hawing and having a good time. It's definitely a tuna whacking day type happening down on the on the uh, up in Sydney. Yeah. So we had actually good friend Rodney Gillam was up there over the weekend, and he had with him Will from Always Angling. And Will messaged me today. He was going to come on the podcast, but he was unavailable. But he was saying just how much he enjoyed that style of fishing there, cubing for the bluefin. He hadn't done it before. And he thought it was excellent fun and wondered why we don't do it more down here. Well, yeah, I, th- I think we, we will now. Now that we're, like, we're very responsive to when we see concentrated bait balls, we can uh, mix up our tactics. It's, a, it's something that's yeah, can be utilised more down here. It doesn't always work. Depending on how the fish are feeding, it's, can, they can ignore a cube trail, Joe. Well, they've, they've got to be really concentrated. I think that's the main thing. From our learnings, well, um, sometimes when they're really locked in on bait as well, and they're just following that around, you it's hard to switch them onto the cubes. But if you persist, it will generally work. And it's it's different. Like it's, we all love it when a, a lure goes off, but when you're stripping a cube back into the water and it, your line goes tight and you hook up, that's a that's a different kind of thrill. It's really exciting fishing. Yeah, love so, it. So we also saw. Uh, the guys on Hookup, which is the Cassar's boat off Marimula, had an eight-way hookup on Bluefin. An eight-way? An eight-way <laughs> on wow. solid Bluefin, which would have kept everyone on their toes, Joey. Wow. Yeah. Old school eight-way. Is that King Kong? <laughs> is that a catch of the I was going to give it to Al McClashen for his yellowfin. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I've done it now. You have to hit the audio. <laughs> oh, well, we better get the picture up. Oh, okay. Hang on. Yep, this is, this is the King Kong, Donkey Kong catch of the mid, week. mid-report yellowfin. Yep, here we go. Hit it. King Kong, Donkey Kong, mate. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Suraj is impressed every week by our catch of the week. God I'd, bless him. I'd suggest that that's probably the biggest accolade he's ever received, Al McGlashan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's done a little bit in the fishing industry, but I'd say that's probably going to be right up there for him. The Wind Against Tide Weekly Catch of the Week. Absolutely. Suraj endorsed. Yep. Now, closer to home, bread and butter fishing. 
Uh, my brother went out in Western Port two no, he, days he, ago, Joe. He did not. He did. He went out. He was on. Um, he was on school holidays. No, he he took a few days off. Came down and spent some time time down our way. Did he take the twin fisher out? He took his boat out, and he reports the squid fishing was very very slow. Western Port was very slow. Now he fished up around the North Arm and Tortoise Head. What was the clarity of the water like? I think clarity was okay. Um, it was a real windy day when he went, which doesn't help. So potentially, if I was going in Western Port at the moment, I'd be looking around Flinders and Eastern Entrance region. What sort of jigs was he using? I don't know, Joe. Squid jigs? Yep. <laughs> yep. No, like, was it like, you know, maybe it was those Kmart $2 pink and green no, and orange. I've trained him better than that, mate. He uses I, all the classics. You, you, you never know. It's like... No, I don't think it was the jigs, no. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just trying to help him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you were saying you really, really hate people, um, maybe this is what really grinds your gears this week, Dave. It's like when you say you went fishing and you said you did no good and you're telling your friend that you did no good and they're like, oh, oh you should have you should have done this, you should have done that. Oh, but did you do that? Yeah, that that does infuriate me. Um <laughs> Especially yeah, when you're um when you're on the tuna or whatever, and ev- and other boats catch them, yeah, everyone thinks that they would have done better than you did. Yeah, <laughs> so do. no, I don't think it was because of the squid jigs, Joe. Okay, but moving over to Port Phillip, yeah, looks like the squid are going awesome. Did you see Reedy's rigs? Reed, Brett Reedy was out there yesterday smashing them. Yeah, Good. I've I've heard they've been going pretty good as well. Um, Uncle Tone's reports um, just out the front of Safety Beach. Um, under all the, the the wooden stick markers there that there's been, yeah, people been bagging out on squids. Yeah. So Port Phillip looking good for the squibs. No no perfect time, you know. <laughs> we say it every year, gets to the mid to late October and we're, we're going through squid to go fishing at Western Port and, and Port Welsh Pool and we go, shit, we don't have any squid. And Mulloway, we're running out of squid, running out of squid. Good time to top up the... Uh, fridge or freezer now because uh, when it gets into snapper season, um, can be hard to catch squid with all the um, with the uh, you know the spring rain and, and wind and dirty water. You can't always rely on catching squid in the middle of snapper season. So, mind yeah. you, I would say spring is probably the best time for them. Just to completely contradict you, there. Oh, spring like, spring's one of their major um, spawning cycles, and they tend to go pretty good. I would agree with you, but when, um, you know, you're limited with time on the water, sometimes you just need some, you need some emergency. Yep. <laughs> now, the reports don't stop here. I've got a Tassie report coming from Jonah. He says, bluefin's still going strong down there with big numbers of schoolfish now pushing inshore into the bays and estuaries in southern Taz. Storm Bay, I believe. Barrels have been hit and miss off Eagle Hook Neck. The seismic crew got a mega barrel in Bass Strait, so off Devonport, weighing 130 kilo. So generally when they're on that side, they're on our side too, Joe, of the strait. So it could be some local ones starting to kick around if the wind will ever relent. That's some, uh, that's some nice Tasmanian uh, reporting there. I'll tell you what I'd love to hear from Joan. I'd like, I'd like an oyster report because I really love Tasmanian <laughs> oysters. Do you reckon you maybe can get me a Tasmanian oyster report I've seen? Yeah, I'll give you one. They're attached to the rocks like <laughs> they always have been, Joe. 
They're securely anchored to the rocks. <laughs> I've seen that my, my local fish supply um, had some St. Helens oysters. Looked delicious. Love a good Tasmanian oyster, but you can carry on. Very good. Uh, last one I've got is, well, I tried to get a report out of him. Friend of the show, Mitch Chapman, Joe, sent me through a video of a huge cod he'd caught over the weekend in the dark. I've asked him where. He hasn't told me. I've asked for a report. Hasn't sent one. So Mitch Chapman caught a huge cod. Don't know where. No, oh, congrats. They're bloody worse than, uh, than my life fishermen, these cod guys. Just but conveniently didn't reply to me. But there's like, there's a, isn't there a million places to catch big cod? Uh, there is. Oh, actually, Shane, Mayor of the West, sent me through a photo, which I don't have, of a really nice cod, about 60 centimetres caught from Rocklands Reservoir. Apparently that fishery is really coming along. Where's, where's Rocklands Reservoir? So Rocklands is sort of up near Hamilton region, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. North of that, I think. Okay. Shane will tell us on the live chat. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's fishery to look out for. I think we've mentioned that before anyway. But that's, that is the reports, Joey, all wrapped up in a neat little bow. Yeah, I love it, Dave. That's great stuff. That's it. Now, your fishing correspondents have earned a gold star this week. That was some good work from everyone involved there. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Now, uh, a grinds, I do have a grinds my gears for oh, this week, Joey. I'll hit the button. We now go to Peter Griffin for You Know What Really Grinds My Gears. Thanks, Tom. You know what really grinds my gears? Fishing wankers, Joe. I can summarise it into that phrase. I've seen recently, it's popped up on social media, guys getting around wearing hats that are like no bait allowed on their boats, like bait with a cross through it or like top water only or something like that. Just basically, if you do a style of fishing that you think makes you cooler than everyone else. You're a wanker, mate. It's different courses for different horses or people in the fishing world. It doesn't matter if you're catching a mullet off the jetties or you're catching a blue marlin over the shelf. As long as you're having fun doing it, you're challenging yourself and you're having a good time, good on you. That fish is as worthy as anyone else's. So to be all... Like, my, thou is mightier than the rest and say that, you know, have these slogans and, um, yeah, these slogans and stickers on your boats and, and clothing, I just think it makes you, it doesn't make you cool, mate. It makes you look like a wanker. Mm, okay. And if you are offended by that, that's targeted at you. Okay. Well, uh, let me just cast your mind back to uh, last November when I went on charter <laughs> to Mauritius. <laughs> Where um, I'd come back from a, a beautiful liverboard trip of three days and um, I'd, I'd, I'd submitted my GoPro footage for editing across the day standing editing desk and um, whilst we were jigging, all the, the, the fellows on board thought it was perfectly acceptable to spice up their deep water jigs by attaching bait to it. And I got berated by Dave. Oh yeah, that is terrible. You and Adri- and Adrian, we got I got berated like, oh, you can't do that. But, but hang on, like, well, you're either jigging or you're bait fishing. You got to commit to one of them. But mate, 
Courses for courses. But you I don't. Just, it's I just not to catch a fish. You can't call it jigging if it's got bait on it. You're just bait fishing. But, but it's just like get, I, I don't have any issue with whether you're catching those fish on bait or if you're catching them on a jig. But don't say you're jigging and then put a bit of bait on there. Well, that's that's what that's what the issue is: misleading people. You know, honestly, at that point in time, if I'd brought a dog tooth tuna on board, I wouldn't have given a shit if it authentically El Natural swallowed a piece of metal or it swallowed a piece of metal with a little bit of bonito attached to it. <laughs> also, I've bagged gummy fishing and stuff over pretty much the entire course of this podcast's existence. So turns out I am the wanker. Yeah. But you know what I mean, Joe. Grinds my gears. Yeah, I know what you mean. You like you can't yeah. It's you can't be high and mighty. Like fishing's for everybody to enjoy. I don't like the de- divisiveness. Segregation. Segregation, mm. that's the word, yeah. I don't like it. Anyway, Joey, let's throw you some questions. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Allow me to open them. We really need a button for questions to be uh, reinvented. Oh, we did have one. We need to get one again. We should add that to the list. Hit me with your questions. Oh, Fire away. Oh, There's a beautiful. live version. Absolutely nailed that. Yeah. Uh, Peter Tatterson. Hi, guys. What would be... Best sounder for under $1,000 for Western Port and Port Phillip. Oh, hard to go past a, a Garmin for, for that kind of price point. A Garmin, you say? Yeah, yeah they, they seem to be, they seem to fit that price point uh, beautifully and it's not absolute garbage for that kind of price point. Fair enough. Is that, is that fair enough? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Any thoughts, feedback, suggestions? Uh, there's a lot of good entry-level ones. Uh, we used to always use the Lawrence HDS range, which is... Oh, I'd say you'd be hard-pressed to get a HDS. That'd be for, over a grand now. For, well, it'd be well over a grand. But they do have a more budget-friendly version, don't they? Well, my, my first sounder that I purchased in my boat in 2012 was a Lawrence Black and White Mark V. That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Mark 5, really? Mark 5X, yep. 200 um, watt transducer. I'm trying to remember. I think there's a Furuno, which is like a 62, could be a 628. What I'm Furuno does to... something in budget? I thought they were just. Oh, no, that's not it. That's $1,500. There is a small one. I can't remember the model name. It's like a mini version of my sounder. And it, uh, the, Tom's boat, my brother, came with one of them. Yeah. Very capable. Nothing wrong with it. Beautiful. Yeah. Good little sounder. Just nice. like a small shrunken version of mine. I love your sounder. It's really good. I, I'm a big fan of Furuno these days. They, I just trust them. They, If I see fish on it, I know what it is and then it gives me confidence to fish in that area. Um, how do you rate the Furuno on your snapper fishing? Very good. It Like even in Western Port? Very good. Yeah. Very good. Also, an option is to get a second-hand good sounder. Like my um, original 588 Furuno died and I found a second-handy and that was I think around 800 bucks. So, Got any tips for finding a good second-hand sounder? No, just keep an eye on the usual spots, Facebook Marketplace uh, and eBay and all that and hopefully one will pop up for you. Okay. But, yeah, buy the best 
buy the best that you can because it really does make a difference having good electronics. Look, it's a real bastard also to have to get a sounder rewired, refitted, new holes drilled into your boat. It's, it's not always nice. No. So what are you saying? You don't want to be changing them over very often? Yeah, exactly. It's a bit like aquariums. I bought the bought the aquarium that um the, uh, yeah I bought the best aquarium I could for the for the money and even now these fish are too big and they're going to have to go into an even bigger aquarium. So, uh, but yeah, I've got six years out of this aquarium. Oh, here we go. I like that we're uh, teasing my sounder because the screen's slightly delaminated, which is a common issue. As we run our two thousand dollar Garmin's and Simrads that. The fish look like a tiny pencil mark on. You can't distinguish what's what. Yeah, so that's good. I'm happy with my delaminated, trusty fish-finding machine. Yeah. I'm very happy with it. Does does wonders. Uh, favorite boat ramp in Victoria, Joe? I like this question. Ooh. I know you've been down a cool one that I haven't actually, down there on the southwest coast. Me? Yes. A real big, steep one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Peterborough. Peterborough. Peter, Peterborough, it's just like this awesome uh, long ramp that goes into a small bit of beach and it's just between these these two giant cliffs. It's um, absolutely spectacular. It is a quite sensational spot. Hang on, I'll look it up actually while I'm talking. Yeah. Um, my it- favourite is probably Cape Conran, another spectacular spot, Joey. Really? Also can I'm be... surprised by that. There's like there's not much there. But it's beautiful. Oh, what I've looked up some weird thing. <laughs> um It's just what do you little, mean it's beautiful. It's a little rocky outcrop. Like the like the drive into Cape Conran's beautiful, but but the ramp, um I don't know, it's pretty basic. Oh, but it's upgraded now, right? Well the the ramp's like forged out, it's like cut out of beautiful rocky stone outcrops. Anyway, here's the Peterborough one. Yeah, magnificent. Have a look at that. Look at that. So basically down in 12 Apostles country, really steep. So you drive down it forwards and spin around on the beach and then you launch in that little harbour. How would be the bloody squid there? I'd be bloody... We should go down there. We should take your tinny down there. Yeah. I've seen guys launching big boats there actually. Yeah, well, we launched launched a a bar crusher runabout uh, down there. But in terms of... um, Yeah, no worries. But in terms of best facilities in boat ramps, I think you've got like Hastings, Carrum, Portland is amazing. Or any ramp that you can get some fuel. And I think Altona is really good. Yeah. Yes, Port Mac, amazing. Fuel bowsers there and yeah, everything. Yeah, the fuel bowsers there and, and washdown facilities as well. Yeah. Uh, as in, you know, just a hose, just a basic fre- um, fresh hose. That's, uh, that's tremendous to have access to that. Yep. Epic facilities, but in terms of serenity and um and you know Sanctuary. natural all that all <laughs> that stuff, I like uh, Cape Conran and you like Peterborough. Yeah. Uh, uh, any barrels lately? Steve asks. Well, oh, that question doesn't get old on this podcast. We had that one that snapped the rod a few weeks ago, and then it's been windy, 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 windy. I'm just gonna break a report. Our uh, our good friend Brendan Wing. He went barrel fishing at 1 p.m. in the middle of last week. <laughs> Just an early report, early launch for him. Early launch for him. Saw good life at Cody Bank. Yep, he did. He saw some life out there. But uh, Is it still there this week? I don't know. 
I actually had a report that out the western entrance there was a lot of life, but no fish on it. But any day now. Um, Jonah Yick wants to know if you can target barrels effectively effectively with small lures. Yes, you can, Jonah. Down there in your neck of the woods in Tasmania, I'd recommend running small lures, in fact. So maybe consider doing that next time you go fishing and you'll have some good success. <laughs> Luke McCredden asks, are there still tickets available to the live show which he is in? So some good question asking there, Luke. There is still tickets available, Luke, if you'd like to come along, and I believe you will be because you're partially hosting it. The deep but drop, even still, boys you should, will be in the house. <laughs> you should probably purchase a ticket just to make sure that you're allowed in at the door. So there is tickets left. Make sure you get onto that and you will come down for the night of your life. Book now to avoid disappointment. Yeah. Question here from Chris Cassar of Cassar Fishing Charters. Do you put sauce on the pie or take lid off the pie and put it inside, then lid back on? Uh, I do neither. I, I, I bite into the pie and in the bite mark, I pump the sauce into where I've bitten out of it and then bite it again. I completely agree with you, Joe. You'd be surprised you reckon that's the way to do it? That's how I do it too. I just refill the bite mark with sauce every time I go for a bite. I do understand the taking the lid off thing, but then you've got like a, a lid sort of loosely flapping around while you're trying to eat. Well, the thing I don't like about the unleading of the pie and pumping it full of sauce, you just that's one way to make your pie go stone cold straight away. Yeah, agreed. Um, Put, unlid it, pump it full of sauce, cold sauce, and it just makes it everything cold. So that's quite unequivocal, that one. We've both agreed absolutely 100%, which is unusual. Unanimous uh, decision. Here's another one. My name is Quinn. How long have you been doing this for and what is your biggest fish? I guess this is the podcast. So we're about a year and a half, nearly two years in now. Yeah. Um, 84 episodes. It's a big effort, uh, but we love doing it. So we make sure that we put the effort in and try and bring a exciting podcast to our audience every week. We, we thought it was only going to be a quick show tonight. It's been cold and the never-ending wind and there's not much fishing, but here we are an hour and two minutes later, Dave. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of crowd participation going, wild Whoa. chicken. Oh, he's just whammed he's just, down a freaking... Um, what, he's just rolled in late. If a $50 note's a pineapple, what's a freaking $20 note? Oh, something red, a rose. A freaking, <laughs> a freaking granny Smith apple. A granny Smith apple. <laughs> He's just went out a granny He's just Smith. joined the live feed an hour and two minutes in and just gone, bam, $20. Thank your mother for the rabbits. Wild chicken, 78. Thanks, Good wild man. chicken. Um, Hope yeah, he's coming we, next week. Did we answer that last? No, he said he's got to work, I think. Oh. Yes, shame. Um, did we answer that last question? We did. So, yeah, about a year, 85 episodes. Love doing it. Going to try to keep doing it as long as we can. Yep. Uh, soft plastics for snapper in the bay. That's the last one there. And then I think there's a couple more on the live stream there, Joey. Have you done any soft plasticking for snapper in the bay? I have, but it's been a Cheatman's soft plasticking. I do remember oh, you one. You probably put bait on the hook, did you? No, no, I did. Um, like we burlied up the area in one November in 2015, 2016. I was actually off Oliver's Hill. It's off Woolies Reef in Port Phillip Bay and we... We burlied up some structure and um, I had one of those uh, 
purple and white wobbler tail uh, squidgies with a, I don't know, like some kind of four-row hook out of it. And, um, yeah, I got a, a two-kilo snapper on a uh, on soft plastic, but we'd burly it up the area. So it wasn't authentic, but still satisfying. Hmm. Well, I have done well and filmed when I was doing New Fish TV. Footage of us doing really well on squidgy flick baits in Pilchard Colour Joe. Very successful in Port Phillip. And then of recent years, we got some on uh, uh, the old Berkeley Gulps. Yeah, the, the old, old Gulps. Was it the, the nuclear chicken? Yes. Remember the nuclear chicken when that came out? That was like, whoa. New, new chicken, Joey. But um, the Gulps are... Kind of cross between a lure and a bait, really. They're actually made of starch, I think. So they're like all a natural. Oh yeah, which is cool Good for the environment. Good for the environment, yeah. But um, very scented, very reliable plastic. That one. Uh, also, squidgy wrigglers were always really good, especially in a coral pink color joke. Okay. We used to catch a lot of them on that. Really slowly worked. And then and some of the rat kings as well um, used to do all right on the, the soft plastics oh, back in the day. Flick baits, extremely, I've caught big kings on them too, extremely effective on kings. Yep. Like a perfect bait fish profile, you just whip them really erratically and they look like they're struggling and then all predatory fish love eating them. Mm. Yeah. I don't, even, do they, they, I, don't, I don't know if they still even make that pattern, but you know what? We should ask someone about that. We should get a guest on that knows a bit about squidgies. I yeah, I reckon uh, that's yeah. definitely in the works. Oh, a little bit of a tip for everyone. Choose it, tune in potentially next week. Well, the week oh, no. after the live I show. I keep forgetting, live show. Yeah, week after that. And uh, we'll have some more info on that one. Now, on the live feed, there was a couple of questions back up here, Joey. As I scroll up, any tips from KG Borton, any tips for taking the next step from fishing inside Western Port to going out the entrance chasing school tuna and everything else out there? All I would say is once you head out that entrance, you'll never look back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure your boat's up to scratch. Yeah. No, just... Make sure you got an EPIRB. Make sure you got the um, enough fuel. Make sure you're good with the weather. All good calls there, Joey, but I think for the fishing side of things... Just, it's not really some big scary thing out there. It's, you know what, Joe? How many times have you been offshore and it's been windy and it's been not too bad and you come back inside Western Port and it's horrendous? So quite often it can be nicer offshore than it is inside because in Western Port you get the wind funneling down the the channels and the arms. So it often feels stronger when you're inside than you're then outside, and then, of course, you get the current, which can be going the opposite way to the tide, wind against tide, mm-hmm. mention the show's name, and that can make conditions worse inside than outside. So quite often out in the ocean is the better sea to be in. Yep. But it also does need to be respected, as you say. It can get horrible. So pick your days weather-wise and know your entrances when you're running in and out and have correct safety gear. But, yeah, the fishing potential... Once you head out there, is um, is excellent. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Are you happy with that? No, I'm happy. That's a really good answer. But um, you know, in, in enjoying going out there as well. Like, look, if if you're tuna fishing, I quite often say to people, you know, just just look for the life, or look for 
look for the life or have a look at your depth sounder. But, you know, if you don't see, if you're chasing tuna and you don't see any signs of life or anything on your sounder, there's no problems with just coming straight back in. You don't necessarily have to sit out there all day to wait or blindly troll for a tuna. Um, that's definitely a main... Well, we're a bit... We're, we're a bit bloody-minded in the fact we go out looking for barrels or even tuna and we don't take backup stuff. So maybe if you've, you want to fish the whole day, it's worth taking some backup gear, mm-hmm. some squid rods because you can easily on the way in or even whilst you're offshore, there's some good squid areas. Stop on the way and you can turn a quiet day into a good one. Yep. Or you know what? Good old-fashioned flatty bash, Joe. Just drift around out there on the sand. You'll catch a beautiful feed of flathead, and there's oh, not yeah. really anything better eating. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Far out. I'd I'd, I'd love a good feed of flathead. I'd mm. actually, I'm actually yeah considering. <laughs> mm. You're considering going for a flatty bash? Yeah. Yeah. I want to eat some. Yeah. Well, next time we go out barrel searching and we find nothing, how about we? The problem is there's so much gear you can be taking. And the boat gets all cluttered. It's all right. Two flatty rods and four barrel rods. Yeah, that's right. Easy. Done. Yeah. I've negotiated flatty fishing for next time. <laughs> we don't see <laughs> barrels. <laughs> yes, we'll see. Anyway, I reckon that wraps us up for the questions for tonight, Joey. And Anyone got a cricket score for us? Yes, let's go watch the cricket. So, live show. Get to the live show. Live show, poker face, the event space, next Thursday, July the 6th from 7pm, Rainbow of Pistas, open bar, multiple, multiple, multiple giveaways. Lee Rayner. Lee Rayner on stage. and Joey, da- Joey Fernand. Joey Fernand, Dave Standing, Adam Ring, Luke McCredden, the Deep Drop Boys will be doing a set. We'll be doing a set. Lee will be doing a set and it's going to be a night of fishing's greatest hits. Beautifully summed up. Joey, that's going to do us for tonight. Thanks to everyone who hung around. We got an hour and ten yeah. out of that. I was don't know it? if any of that was interesting or not, but I feel like it was. So thanks for listening, everyone. Love you all, and we'll see you next week. See you next week live on stage. <laughs>